Welcome again to Raw Emotion, a Tottenham pod. As we said on the last pod, um, we're very excited that we had a special guest coming up, and that special guest was Mickey Hazard, um, twice player of Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, brilliant to get to chat to him this evening. Uh, great honour um, for us. Max um, chatted to him many times. Uh, it was first time for me, so very, very pleased to get to do that. Um, we talked to him about um, Mourinho, the Super League, uh, the Cup Final... Ryan Mason, um, in case you didn't know, Mickey Hazard was actually um, the person that brought Ryan Mason um, to Tottenham when he was a young when he was a young kid. So, you know, it was great to get his insight on that. Um, we also spoke to him a bit about um, his charitable work um, and how business has, uh, well, how COVID has affected his business. Um, really insightful, really good to get um, the views of a professional, um, ex-professional footballer who's got Tottenham running through his blood, um, but also to get um, a sense of, you know, the human side of, of Mickey as well. And, you know, as I say, some of the charitable work that he does um, and how he's been affected by um, COVID as we all have. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much, Mickey, if you do listen to this. Uh, and I'll also encourage anyone that does listen, um, listen right to the end. And if you can donate to any of the uh, great um, causes that Mickey um, helps out with, then please do. Enjoy the pod. Now. So, uh, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Raw Emotion at Tottenham Pod. We've been joined by a very special guest, Mr Tottenham, Mickey Hazard. Thank you very much for joining us, mate. Um, it's a pleasure to have you here. I'm actually sitting here surprised that you're talking because I thought you would have stopped <laughs> because I'm so red. I'm like a traffic light. Uh, no, mate. Nothing shuts me up. You know me well enough by now, I'm sure. Um, Good evening, now, anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go straight to Mark because we're going to have a bit of a fanboy moment. Um, this is the first time Mark's had the pleasure to interact with you in any kind of way, Mickey. So, Mark, please, uh, if you want to start us off. Yeah, thank you again, Mickey, for coming on. Um, Pleasure. I've, asked you, I've, I've heard you on a number of podcasts, and um, I think a lot of the questions always revolve around your, your first stint at Tottenham um, during the 80s. But I was born in 1981. Um, I don't remember so much of the 80s, to be honest, but I remember your second, spell. I remember your second spell at Tottenham um, when you came back. Um, I just wanted to ask you... Um, about the arrival of Klinsman, who for me as a kid at 12 years old was an absolute hero. Um, and I remember him signing was just a, at the time was a massive, massive signing. I mean, I put him up there at that time as one of the easily in the top five players in the world. You had probably Roberto Baggio, Romario, Stoichkov, Hadji. And then he, he was, you know, he was there. He was, he was a massive player. Just wanted to ask you your experience of, of playing with him and what you recall of him coming into Tottenham. To be at Tottenham when Jurgen Klinsmann signed um, was it was like going back to 1978 when Ardeles and signed. It was surreal. Um, you know, you, you you hope all of the time that your club will sign good players uh, because good players help you become better player and they also help you win trophies. Um, so um, obviously Ardeles and Bilia were very successful. So the the uh, the addition of Klinsmann. It, it was absolutely mind-blowing. It was like, wow, Jürgen Klinsmann, like this German World Cup winner, um, uh, very much along the same lines of Ardeles and Bilia. 
um, wow, this is surreal. It's, it's, it, it, you know, and then when he come to the training ground in his Volkswagen Beetle, um, you know, so you know that he's pretty grounded. Um, but I mean, he was a fantastic pro. I mean, forget what he won, forget how good a player he was. You know, he absolutely worked his socks off day in, day out. Um, and, and, and ultimately, I suppose that is what made him what he was. Um, you know, he was a superstar, uh, and but he was an absolute lovely guy too. Um, no airs or graces, despite everything that he achieved. Um, he was a lovely guy and um, he was a winner. And I think that if anything disappoints him about his time in England I would, and, and at Spurs, I would say that the fact that he didn't win anything, um, uh, which was quite sad, really, because he came as a winner. Uh, while he was here, he behaved like a winner. He, he, he played like a winner. Um, we just didn't get a, a chance to win uh, something for him. And that yeah. was quite sad in many ways because he's remembered so fondly. Um, and it's rare. Well, it's not rare, I suppose, because if you're a great player at Spurs, you get remembered fondly. Um, but it, but cup win, trophy winners have a special place in our history because, you know, we've not won hundreds of trophies. We've won about 17, 18. So the, all those cup winning teams and those cup winning players all get remembered with great fondness because it's something that every fan wants to experience. Like this Sunday, for instance, the tragedy of this Sunday isn't that maybe we're not in our best period in terms of form. Maybe Manchester City are. They're playing superbly well. And it, it, there's not a great expectation on us. But the, what's disappointing for me is that we haven't got 40,000 Spurs fans filling Wembley. Um, yeah. That hurts because I think that it's rare that we get an opportunity to see our team in the final, not just Spurs fans, any fans. Um, so when that opportunity comes along, you want to be there um, and we're going to miss it. And, and, and I, I have to say, I'm very shocked at the small amount of fans. You know, we've got 100 seats. 100,000 seat in the stadium there and we're lowering 8,000 in. Well, actually, 8,000, you can sit them 20 seats apart. You know, we could have allowed 20 in at 20,000 and, and still sat them sort of 15 seats apart. Now, if social distancing is so effective and, and obviously a lot of being vaccinated now, then we could have easily allowed 20,000 in, but that's their decision and that, that, yeah. they're doing uh, not, I don't agree with it. I think we should have opened it up to more fans. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I 100% agree with that. Just on yeah, it's um, so fun. With, with the Klinsman signing, just a, I remember Teddy Sheridan recently coming out and saying that um, Ozzy come into the dressing room and told him that apparently he was going for Maradona. Did you ever catch, I know you're quite close to Ozzy, obviously. Did you ever catch any wind of, of him uh, going for Maradona, possibly? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ozzy spoke to Maradona. But then decided there was too much baggage. Yeah. Um, with Maradona, he was an incredible footballer. Yeah. Um, but the baggage that come with it uh, maybe was just too much. Um, and the, uh, before World Cup, wasn't it? It would have been yeah you know, after the ban and stuff. So yeah, that's that right. So uh, and then you and, and then you talk about Klinsman coming in and and the impact that he had and and the. The fun that he had, i.e., when he scored his first goal and he went and dove along the turf yeah. with all the boys, it was it really was amazing, and, and it was such an incredible, excuse me, impact and brought to life the Tottenham fans. The Tottenham fans were absolutely taken aback, and um, you know what? 
to this day, you know, when he came back in against Inter Milan in the yeah. first game on the new stadium, which that I played in, yeah, he was. It was just a joy to see him. You know, it, it was like a long lost friend had come back. Yeah. Um, I was in the dressing room with him, getting changed, having pictures taken with him, chatting to him, and uh, we were talking about Brexit, etc. Because we, you know, it was going through at that stage. So yeah, no, he was a very special talent and a very special man, and. Um, it was surreal that he was playing for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And I was this little backstreet boy from Thurman sitting next to him. <laughs> so talking about winners coming to, to Tottenham and, and the one sort of sad thing was that he wasn't able to win a trophy while he was with us. You've already briefly there mentioned about the Carabao Cup final on Sunday. Do you feel in, in some respects that the same can apply to Gareth Bale? coming back. Now, we know he hasn't had the the best run in the team and whether that be down to Jose or for other reasons, but he's, he's come back a winner. He's he's won, you know, everything that you could want to win in, in football with except, you know, away from England. Um, do you think that that kind of him and Klinsman in the same boat where we want to be able to send Gareth away whether it be at the end of the season or next with, with a trophy? That would be very nice, I must say, and and, and very nice for Bale, and, and, and you know, and with regard to his time back at Spurs, it sort of it almost felt like it was hindered from the day he arrived. Um, you know, he was injured, uh, had to get fit, and of course, then sort of uh, never really got given the opportunity to get himself fit, match fit. You know, There's a difference between being fit yeah. and being match fit, uh, match fit. The only thing that gets you match fit, match fit is to play games. Um, and even when Gareth did manage to somehow get a game, um, he'd be taken off after 50, 55 minutes yeah. to protect him. I mean, this guy is like a fit, young athlete. A machine. 55, 55 minutes football, we're taking him off to protect them. I mean, um, no, that's not on. I mean, if, if a, a young 31, 32-year-old can't play 90 minutes... Than what you're doing in football. So yeah. no, there was lots of, and then we then he had that wonderful little period where he got about five goals in five games. Yeah. He was wonderful, um, and it was it was like wow, you know, when we get him a little bit more fit because he's starting to look, he's starting to score mm -hmm. goals. We've got Sonny and Harry, um, but somehow, you know, with the best attacking force, in my opinion, in England, we never fully utilised it to the full. Um, do you think that was Mourinho's fault? Do you think he didn't favour Gareth? I, I, he would have to take some of the blame. Of course he would. He's the manager. The manager dictates the style and, and the philosophy that he's preaching, the technical side of the game. Um, so, of course, the manager will take some of the blame. Gareth will take some of the blame. Gareth mm -hmm. is not um, immune from criticism here because... Of course. Um, uh, and I know he's not. The, he's a lovely lad, Gareth, and he's not. He's, he's not the character to steam in and have a big bust up or a row. Um, he shouldn't have to because he's a quality footballer and he should be in the team. Um, but somewhere down the line, he sort of didn't get the fitness that he required to convince Jose, and and Jose was taking a, an incredible amount of odd time being convinced. Um, now, my motto would have been, well, I've brought Gareth Bale back. He's a winner. We're paying him all this money. He's in my team. And I'm going mm. to give him every opportunity to succeed because my first responsibility 
is not to me and it's not to Gareth. Um, it's to the football club. It's to Tottenham Hotspur. And it's my job, if I'm manager, not to old personal uh, grudges or not to uh, select teams uh, with players in there that are my favourites. It's my job to pick the best team and the best players that are available for selection. And, and I defy anyone to see a Gareth Bale wouldn't have been in that top 11. If, if we had 100,000 Spurs fans picking that team, Gareth Bale would have played every week. Um, yeah. And now that doesn't mean that he deserved to play every week with his form. But if we were, if we'd got a fit Gareth Bale, um, who knows what he could have achieved because he's that he's, he's a special talent. Well, I think you said yeah. he was in good form. That was the, that was a surprising thing. He was on a run of good games. The whole he had a bad hour against Arsenal. Didn't the he? whole team didn't turn up against Arsenal for whatever reason. That yeah. could happen. And then he was yeah. dropped. He just couldn't really understand it, and he never really got <laughs> another look in again. Um, yeah, so no, it was it was really strange. You, you know, I'm a massive lover of Deli Ali, and um, the. the uh, the fact that he hasn't been in the team all of this time is quite incredible, really, in a, in a, in a team that was sort of struggling to get goals other than from Harry and Son. <coughs> a team that was sort of always appeared to be on the back foot. Um, and while, again, during this period, I don't think Delhi covered himself in glory either on the, on the opportunities that he did get in the Europa League. I know one game he was brilliant, he uh, but in yeah. general, he played way below the level <clears throat> that he's capable of. So I'm not sort of saying um, he, he deserved to be picked purely because he's Deli Ali. Um, what I'm saying is, is that he deserved to be given opportunities and little runs in the side to prove how good a player he really is. And the problem is, as a player, if the manager is showing um, a lack of, I'll call it love, say, towards you, in, a, in the effects, you know, you think it doesn't matter what you do, I'm not going to be in the team. So consequently, subconsciously, you sort of think you're putting it in, you think you're doing well, and you think you're this, but you're not really. Um, and, and it just sort of feeds the manager's um, decision not to put you in. Well, look, you know, I mean, the comment that would have destroyed me if, if any manager had ever said to me, um, uh, 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 have you got a twin, or is your brother, as uh, your brother, here to replace? You? I mean, that would have destroyed me. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's insulting, and well, I don't first, know whether it that was one of his first training sessions, Mickey, as well. That he said, yeah, yeah, you know. So um, I don't know. I think there's a. I, I, I often talk about Steve Perryman as my captain. Um, now I heard Steve Perryman absolutely give it to some of our players like nobody's business, right? And it motivated them to do well. But I also heard them to me, Mickey, you're a different classmate. Come on, you can run this game, Mickey, you're superb, yeah. do it, do it. And even if I was playing crap, he'd say, Mickey, you're the best player on the pitch. So what Steve did was he learned how to treat the individual and not treat yeah. them all the same. Because the way he spoke to Paul Miller on the pitch, if Paul Miller was sort of started sluggishly, he knew that that, Bullockan would G Max you up to really get him going, and he knew that some people need an arm around the shoulder. Some people absolutely, need to cut the ass. Uh, you yeah. can't treat every single player the same. Um, so you have to learn quickly as a manager, as a new manager, how you can treat this one, how you can treat that one, how you can speak to that one, how you can speak to that one um, to get not just to get the best effects 
on the pitch, but also off the pitch. You've, remember, as a manager, you need all 18, 19, 20 players uh, yeah. because you never know when you're going to need to use Deli Ali again or you never know when you're going to have to use Gareth Bale again uh, because a couple of injuries and they're in. And, and, and then that you, what you don't want them doing is coming in and thinking, I'm only in because of this, because an injury yeah. to him or an injury to him. You know, you want them thinking, great, this is my chance to actually get a place in the te- team and keep him. Um, that, you know, that's how I used to think all of my career. Every time I was left out for, for whatever reason, sometimes I was left out when I was playing brilliant. Um, I scored three goals in four games once and got left out for Glenn. Uh, and I remember thinking, all right, I'll have my sulk, which I did. I had a little couple of days sulk. Um, and then my next thought was, right, we'll see. We'll see. I'll be back in that team shortly and I'll show you, you know, and that's how a player has to think when he's not in the team, because again, he's just as the manager has to recognise that he's got to do what's best for the football club. So does the individual as well. What the individual players, what they can't do is say, well, I don't want to play for Mourinho. That's wrong. You're working for the club. You're employed by the club. You're paid for the club. If the man, if, if the manager is the biggest, whatever in the world, it's still your duty to play your best for the club. So I, I have to be honest, when I was playing in my day at Spurs, I can honestly say that um, not one player, whether he was in or out of the team, held it against anyone. It, it, it feels like this is a different ear that uh, I keep here press writing and talking about player power. And I'm thinking, player power, the only, the only thing that gets hurt if players use their power, is the football club. Because if you're using your tool to get the manager out of the job, then you're actually hurting the football club because um, you're not trying for the manager. Well, hang on, the manager's just someone who's passing by, he's passing through. One day he's going to be gone and there's going to be a new manager. But the football club is always there. So it's your duty to give everything when you're on the park for the football club and sod the manager if you don't like the manager. You know, every time you're not picked, every time you're not picked, you don't like the manager. I mean, I love Keith Birkinshaw. He's like a father to me. He's such a lovely, lovely guy. But the minute he dropped me, I hated his goods. I used to walk out of his room and say, what a tosser. You know, um, as, I was wa- as I was walking out of his room, because he dropped me. Nobody likes to be dropped. It's a sort of it's a it's a, it's an insult in many ways because um, it means well it's, it's it doesn't mean you're playing well, but that's how you take it. Sorry, playing yeah, badly, yeah. but that's how you take it. Um, so, um, but ultimately, um, you can have your row with Keith, but when you pick for the team again, you have to go in and give it your all. Irrelevant of you've just had a big row. Steve Archibald is a classic example. When him and Keith had a row over Archie coming off with his knee injury, um, and then a day later he'd come in training and it done trap whatever was trapped. Uh, uh, but Archie scored in the next ten games, and every time he scored, up yours, you know. So he had the row with Keith. They didn't speak for about fifteen years, um, and in, in actual fact, they spoke at the um, the fair. Well, the, the finale. That's the first time they've spoken about fifteen wow. twenty years over Jesus this row. Christ. But Archibald never allowed it to affect the way he played because he scored in 10 consecutive games, something like that, um, to prove the point that, look, 
you shouldn't you shouldn't have held it against me. I was injured on the night, mm-hmm. and something was trapped in my knee, and it untrapped, ready for you know yeah, me. Yeah, back out. You know, you got to admire his honesty. I think. I mean, if it was me, I'd be thinking, shit, I come off. Why did I come off? Because I'm fit now. Oh, I better not train for two or three days. You know, <laughs> Lee Archibald was like training the next day, which I thought was great character. It's saying, look, I, I came off because I thought I was injured. It's untrapped. I'm no fine. Me, I'd have been so, thinking, oh, you know, so, yes. Uh, just just with, you, with you talking about Mourinho and sort of playing for the club and, and, and everything, how would you surmise Mourinho's time at, at Tottenham in your, in your opinion? Um, from whether it be what you saw, what you heard, or just generally, you know, as a fan looking in. Sorry, you broke up halfway through the question. What did you say? I was saying um, whether it be as, as you know, sort of with your position, with still doing things with the club, or even just looking in as a fan. What what was your opinion of of Jose's tenure? You know, how would you surmise it? As would you think it was um, was I letting down or he let us yeah, no, I thought when Mourinho came in, it would be, you know, if you're going to lose Pochettino, who's a great manager um, and a great person, uh, the next best thing is to get someone who's an absolute ultimate winner. He wins everything and everywhere he goes, he wins. He, he's in 25, he's got more trophies individ- as an individual than this our club has as a club. Yeah. So the fit um, in terms of, you know, Tottenham throughout our history, for instance, I look at my era and I think we had possibly on a one-off situation the best team in the league, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we were too creative and played with too much flair and open, expansive football to probably win the league because when we weren't, our creativity and flair wasn't working, mm-hmm. we sort of uh, still kept doing it. Consequently, we lost games that we, we should win. Um, which in the end cost us winning the league title on two or three occasions. So I, I, I sort of um, I look at the fit of Mourinho. If you forget what's happened for a moment and you say, right, mm-hmm. this fit at the beginning, you've got this wonderful football club that play with such creativity and flair and imagination uh, and they attack and they go for the win. You know, they get the, sometimes they lose. Uh, and they lose games that they should win and ultimately cost them points that um, maybe they should finish in the top two or three every year, um, but they don't because of this craziness, if you like, to attack willy-nilly. Um, now, Mourinho coming in, um, in my opinion, should have been the perfect match because what he should have been doing is allowing this creative, open, expansive flair football that Spurs teams are renowned for, and then added his organize, his organization and defensive stability to it. So that what you do is you take away a little piece of the attacking, creative flair football and add some organizational defensive stability to the team that when we haven't got the ball, but when we've got the ball, Go, express yourselves, play, play, to dare. Let let them off the leash and go and do it. Let them off the leash. But the minute you lose the ball, get yourself back in shape, get yourself organised, make yourselves hard to break down when you haven't got the ball. So this fit, in my mind, seems so perfect because I thought, of of course, if he allows, rather than coming to the club and, and, and then transforming the club into playing his way, 
Every manager has a responsibility to link themselves to the history of the football club and their styles and their philosophies. Um, and it was his responsibility too. So instead of coming in and say, right, I want you to play my way, what he should have did was come in and say, right, listen, we're going to play the Tottenham way but when, when we've got the ball. But when we haven't got the ball, we're going to play my way. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, we're going to attack with flair, creativity, numbers. We're going to really to dare us to do. But when we ain't got the ball, you're going to get back into your shape defensively and you're going to be really hard to break down and you're not going to make it easy for teams to score goals against you. So the fit to me seemed the perfect yeah. fit because if we'd, I look back on my era and, and we had a good defence, um, but I, I still say that in some games, if we'd have been more solid, less uh, attacking, um, particularly away from home, we might have won more away games than we actually, uh, that would have won us the title. Um, so I wouldn't have changed a thing about my time, by the way, but I would love to, I would love to have won the league. Um, I'd have loved to win it the way we played because we were open, expansive, exciting, attacking football. Um, so, but Mourinho coming in and adding his defensive organisation was absolutely match made in heaven. But what he did was he, he added his tactical know-how and, uh, and this defensive organisation and stability uh, and took away the attacking side of our okay. game or appeared yeah. to, I don't know whether he did or he didn't, but he appeared to, and consequently, it made us so much more vulnerable defensively because mm -hmm. um, when we're attacking, we're not defending. And because we're better at attacking than we are defending, um, we could win games because we often had the ball more than the opposition. Mm. Yeah. Now we were yeah. sitting and conceding the ball. Uh, uh, and of course, then our frailties defensively as a, as a, as a team um, sort of never stood up to the test. As time progressed in the couple of games they did, Manchester City, Arsenal at home, they, they stood up to the test. But following the Arsenal game from there on, we conceded three against West Ham. We were losing last minute leads because we weren't a good enough defensive unit to uh, stifle the opposition and, and hang on to a 1 0 win. That, but if we'd seems, have kept it. That seemed to be the turning point for me, Mickey, was the West Ham game when we were 3 0 up. Yeah. And we conceded them three goals. And after that, he seemed to just completely throw the, his old um, ideas out the window and then go revert back to that defensive play. We just gave yeah. up possession of the ball and, like you said, sat back and tried to soak up the pressure. But we didn't have that great defence to be able to do that, that he's had in the no. past. Chelsea teams and the Real Madrid team, the Inter Milan teams, we didn't have that defence necessarily to be able to do With, with his experience, you would have thought he would have known Tottenham well enough to know that we can't hold on to a one one nil lead. No, we needed well, two or three. Yeah, you know, listen, I haven't come through the system at Tottenham from fourteen year old boy right the way through till today. Um, I sort of have a sort of an in depth view of things and, and 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 an insight from the inside. And Tottenham, I've always been of the mentality always that if we're one nil, let's get a second. And when they get the second, it's not let's sit back and defend. It's, it's let get let's get a third, and then if they score, score a goal, you still win the game three one, you know. But when you one nil up, it's one of the, it's it's an absolutely horrible lead. It's a horrible lead for the fans because you know if if you're going to sit and try and defend a one nil, and often we would get a goal in the first five minutes, and then you'd be sitting back for eighty five minutes trying to defend it, and of course 
our frailties would come through and time after time they did. And as I once tweeted, if you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got. Meaning if we always sit back once we've got the lead and let the other team have possession and attack us at, at will, we're going to concede goals. And it happened time after time after time after time. It happened every time. 20 points. Uh, we fell. Yes, it, was, it was unbelievable. And yet, the same thing would happen again and again and again, and 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 that's that's not learning, you know. The the, the great thing as football is that there's always an opportunity to put things right the very next week. <clears throat> you know, you play what bad one Saturday, the following Saturday you turn it around, you learn, you watch a video maybe, and you learn what you did wrong, and then the next week you go and put it right, and you apply uh, it, yeah. You know, and uh, exactly, um, but. Uh, for some reason, we kept getting a one-nil lead and then sitting on the edge of our box. And it was just, I could see it every week, every single week. I kept thinking, guy, don't mind sitting on the edge of the box, but let's have an attack as well. Nice. You know, because you have to have an attack because it keeps them honest. If you don't attack, um, <coughs> they start throwing bodies at you from every angle because their fullbacks just push up they end up playing with two at the back because they know you're not going to attack mm -hmm. so you end up having to defend and defend and defend I mean you look at the Arsenal game for instance 2-0 up they missed chance after chance in that game they yeah. totally had probably 75% possession in the second half you can't give this against good teams because at some point you'll get lucky once or twice but the majority of the times they will wipe the floor with you yeah. um, but if you keep them honest and you attack when you've got the ball. Um, nothing wrong with keeping solid when they've got it, but attack when you've got it. They won't be so keen to throw their men forward willy-nilly and leave themselves so exposed to that counter-attack because they know you're attacking. So it's keeping the opposition honest as well. Uh, but for me, not only was it the wrong tactic, and which has been proven by the amount of points that we dropped, um, it was boring. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was time for him to go. And obviously, Ryan Mason coming in. I've heard you speak in the past about Ryan. Um, you've known him since he was a little a little boy coming into the club, Mickey. About this big. Were you the one that brought him into the club? Tell us a little bit of background on that, if you could, Mickey. Well, when I retired from football, I, I set up some soccer schools coaching kids um, on a a summer basis, really, rather than a yearly basis. I used to do them in the summer. Uh, Ryan was one of the first names to book onto my course at the age of six. I then decided to set up a weekly course, once one night a week on a Friday night, and, and I had 400 kids attending. Obviously, I used to send all the kids to Tottenham that were good, and Ryan was showing really, really good signs of being a very, very good player. And uh, at, at the age, I, I, I trained them regularly in fact he used to come training even when he was like 12 13 um with my eldest sons and i used to have like a group of 16 17 year olds training and he would be coming joining in at the age of 12 and 13 um and and it was fantastic um so when i went to spurs for instance about ryan um obviously there was a process that you that you had to go through I was a coach, obviously, in the schoolboy academy, and uh, there was a process that you had to take a kid in for trial, and uh, um, and then you'd do a six-week trial, and at the end of six weeks, supposed to make a decision on you. Um, well, I wasn't having that. This kid was very special at the age of eight, 
He was showing a great football mind. He was showing a good touch, a good understanding, a good awareness, age of eight. So when I went to the club to bring him in, I said, look, I'm not bringing him in for a trial. I said, no, 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 this kid's special. I said, I'll bring him in, but I'll bring him in and you sign him. You put him on a schoolboy form. Yeah. And of course, they agreed. I would have been upset if they doubted my judgment, given that I'd been a Spurs player for 13 years and I'd, I'd, I'd won trophies and, and played over 450 games in the in the various uh, at the various you know the Premier League or not the Premier League Div One, yeah. etc. So I'd have been disappointed if they didn't uh, sort of uh, sign him, and, and they did, and, and of course then he he really progressed quite quickly. They really rated him highly. He wasn't in my age group. I didn't coach Ryan in terms of my age group. I coached him away from the club. Um, and, uh, of course, then he progressed through until eventually got in the first thing, um, which was an amazing moment for me. I haven't brought him, you know, scouted this kid at the age of six, brought him into the club, and here he was now making his first debut. Wow. It yeah. was, like, incredible. Incredible. You've got, that, you've got that proud dad look on your face, Nicky, talking about it. This is really um, nice to see well, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take away from. I mean, his mum and dad are the proudest. I know, but you, you know what? I mean. they, are, they are such a lovely family, honestly. And 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 the great thing about Ryan and what I love about the family is that Ryan, he sort of follows in his mum and dad's footsteps. Um, and by that, I mean that they are grounded people um, who know as a graces. They just um, every time I see them today. If I ever bump into them when I'm in the bloody shop, they start thanking me about taking Ryan into Spurs at the age of eight, six, seven, whatever it was. It's like, hang on, man, 50, 50 your years ago. Why are you thanking me? You thanked <laughs> me about a million times. And that's the type of people they are. They're so appreciative of everything that everyone does for them. Um, they kept me when Ryan was in hospital. I spoke to the dad on a number of occasions. They keep me informed. Um, but they're a wonderful family and, and it's, it's no... Um, I did a Q&A with Ryan, for instance, after he retired because of the injury. And he was such a delightful young man. He answered every question and he had a toughness about answering. Some questions were quite tough for a, a player of so young. I think he was 25. Uh, and it's difficult to speak up. And I remember one guy asked a question for him and he turned to the guy and he said, look, I, I can't answer that. He said, it's not a question. He said, you're telling me something he said, there's no question in what you're telling me. You know, and I thought, wow, this kid's this kid, he's got a toughness about him. He's not afraid to actually um, thrust himself forward. So when I heard he was got, got the manager's job, I thought, well, he's not going to be shy when he's doing his team talk. Yeah. He's going to be in that dressing room and he's going to be telling them what he wants. Yeah. Um, and as difficult as that is for a 29-year-old to, to be maybe telling one of the best players in the world, in Harry Kane, this is what I want you to do. It must be quite tough. But I've got no doubt that he's got the mental toughness and the confidence in his speaking ability because ultimately that's what it's about. It's no good having great ideas in your mind about how football should or shouldn't be played and what you want from your team, but you can't uh, articulate them. What's great about Ryan is he's very articulate uh, and he can actually, if he wants to talk about some form of style of play, he can really speak it in a, a really way that's understood. 
you know, sometimes you, I hear your people speaking and I think, why don't you speak English? It's actually, all the words they're speaking is English, mm-hmm. but some of the, 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 the words that they use and some of the descriptions that they use, nobody can understand it. So you might as well speak Chinese, you know, but Ryan speaks in a way that everybody understands. It, it, it's simple, um, ex, it's self-explanatory. So um, you can take it all on board instantly. Um, so that's a great thing. And so I never doubted that he'd be able to take the team talk, no problem. Um, obviously, I've not seen Ryan coach, so I don't know whether or not yet um, he sees the game and then talks in the same way about what's going wrong and what's going right and, and what changes he needs to make. To, and by all accounts, he did a good half-time team talk the other day um, and it affected change because the team were miles better in the second half. Um, and it's in, in, in a way, that's quite pleasing. Um, it would have been easy if the team had gone and won 3-0 first half, 3-0 second half, everybody sees, see that's Josie's team, um, when really they were so poor first half. Yeah. Um, that the off-team time team talk became incredibly important. And the, the team in the second half came out with a different level of intensity, a different level of tempo to their play. And I presume that's what he spoke about because they were so intense and, 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 and with a much quicker tempo to their play in the second half. Um, so uh, he made a difference. Uh, and that's what an off-time team talk generally has to, has to be is that can I make a difference can I transform a poor performance into an average performance and an average performance into a good performance because then you'll win games uh, and, and it's great that he did because I think that's the one good thing to come out of it is that great we've got three points great we had a good second half but Ryan Mason who's been appointed as the youngest ever premiership manager has suddenly impacted on his first game in an half-time team talk that's transformed the performance from a poor to reasonably good. Hmm. So uh, I've got two sort of two questions sort of leading to it. Do you do you believe that Ryan Mason, having worked with so many of them through the academy, growing up with them and playing alongside them, has helped him? And then moving that straight into Sunday into the big cup final that we've got ahead. Do you think that's something that will hopefully set him and Tottenham in good stead for hopefully a positive result? Well, I, 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 if I can relate to myself, to the question that you asked me, that you've asked about Ryan, um, if it was me in Ryan's shoes, age 25, and I played with seven or eight players, I couldn't even play against them because they're my mates. Whenever I played against boys that I went to school with, I was so, oh, God, no. Ray Wilkins, for instance, before every game I played against them, used to come up and say, Mickey, how are you? How's the family? And shake my hand. I used to think, oh, am I going to kick them today? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'd have found it very, very difficult. Will Ryan? I don't think so. I think that he's of this... If you look at Ryan's eyes, he's got this steely-eyed look. Um, yeah. That... If it needs to be said, it needs to be. I mean, the great thing that he said in his first press or TV interview was, "Listen, we're going to play the Tottenham way. We're going to be the, the shackles are coming off." So, throwing that out there, the shackles are coming off. Maybe a, an underhanded dig to the um, previous manager. The old regime. Yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> it, it, it showed me that when well, he's got the steeliness to to succeed, um, and hopefully. Um, he will. It'll bring me great joy. I mean, 
someone messaged me tonight on Twitter and said, Mick, uh, just a quick question. What advice have you given to Ryan Mason? <laughs> I bet you can't guess my answer. My answer was, uh, yeah, I gave him advice. Uh, what was it? To make me his assistant. <laughs> 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 you know, and I'm hoping Ryan's ready. <laughs> well, you heard it here first if it does become reality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to, so like I say, but now obviously with the, with the final coming up, do you, do you think that um, we didn't see much of a, the new manager bounce? Um, do you, do you think that uh, do you think that we have realistic chances going into Sunday with the way Tottenham have been and with such a poor first half against Southampton? I think first of all you have to see you play, they're playing against the best team in the Premier League, maybe possibly the best team in Europe, um, and, and might be proved soon. Um, so whatever whatever the manager bands, this was going to be the most difficult game of the season, um, but it's a one-off game. And we have the players to hurt teams. Now, if Harry's fit, it gives us a much better chance of succeeding. We've been successful in the recent past against Manchester yeah. City. We knocked them out of the Champions League. We've, we've beaten the middle one. We beat them. We've scored goals against them. Sonny's yeah. caused them lots of problems. Leeds United the other night proved that if you get at them, um, they're very much like Tottenham's history, that they're brilliant at attacking, but when you get at them and put them under pressure at the back, they're not as solid defensively. Yeah. Uh, and again, Jose should have been looking at it and seeing Manchester City attack all of the time. You know, that's why they don't concede goals. Well, they'll do that, I suppose, you know. Um, but if you get at Manchester City, and Leeds haven't got the players that we've got, we've got Harry Kane, we've got um, Sonny, we've got Bale, um, we've got Delhi. Albert, we've got really, really good attacking players. So my motto is, is play to the strengths of your team. And if on Sunday we go there and we recognise what our strengths are and play to them while recognising what their weaknesses are and play to them, then we will attack all out because they are vulnerable um, at the back. But not to, and I'm not suggesting for one second that we attack um, with gay abandon. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that we attack with, um, in a controlled, um, creative, flair way, while not exposing ourselves to a counter-attack early in the game. Um, because we can do it controlled, we can do it when we've got the ball, and, and we can take risks in the right areas mm -hmm. rather than the wrong areas. I mean, it, in the recent games that I had watched, we give the ball so many away so many times in our own half. You know, this is a, a safe area of the pitch for us, really, when you've got possession. There's three thirds. There's a, the, 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 the first third, which is the safe place. You take no risky passes, all simple, all safe, um, because really you're looking to eventually get it into a midfield player in space who can then thread balls through the next zone. So the first zone, safe as houses. You should never give a ball away there because you're all spreading wide, long and deep. If you give the ball away there, you leave yourself exposed, exposed instantly. Then you go into the middle third 
and that's a little bit more daring. It's not fully daring because you've got the, you've still got an element of safety to it, but you've got to look to thread thread balls into people just behind their midfield through that third line, second line of defence for them. And then you get people. And then when you get in the final third, everything you do can be creative, can be a chance. Take, take a risk. Can I beat this man? Because if I get past, I'm in a really dangerous position to put in a great cross. Can I play one-twos? Can I thread balls through? That final third, because if you give it away there, they've got 70 yards, 80 yards to go to score. So I look at it and say, have we got a chance? Absolutely, we've got a chance. If... Apologies for the abrupt ending to that. We had a few technical issues. That is the end of part one. Um, in part two, we talked to Mickey about the Super League and ultimately its demise. Um, and we also speak to Mickey about his um, charitable work and how COVID has affected his businesses. Um, so please carry on listening. And again, apologies. Okay, so um, yeah, we uh, obviously because we're still new to the whole podcasting, we we cut out and we've come back in. So, Mickey, thank you for coming back um, and joining us again. Um, I want to ask you one very quick question on a, a recent topic that hit the news. Um, I just want to know your thoughts um, about about this Super League thing, and are you glad that Tottenham have pulled themselves away? To be honest with you. Um... Not really spoken about it. I've not really read enough about it to speak about. What I will say is that I never dreamt for one second it would go ahead. Um, for me, it was doomed, doomed from the outset. Um, and I thought it was a matter of, I didn't expect it to fold so quickly, but it was it was always going to fold. You, you know, it's, um, I don't think it's going to go away. Um, there'll always be people who want to, um, create something like that um, and, and, and sometimes if it makes the whole of football richer then that's a good thing but if it's only going to make a, a, an elite few richer then it's not a good thing so um, no I never dreamt it would go ahead um, and I think that it's a long way off going ahead um, because first before it will go ahead it has to be accepted um, and the it's not being accepted by anybody. So um, it was doomed. And thankfully, um, common sense prevailed. Yeah, thank you. The clubs pulled out. No, brilliant. Yeah, I completely agree with, uh, with that last part there. Uh, Mark, yeah, uh, I think just, it's, you've got just, something. You... Yeah, really, just finally, Mickey, we know that obviously... With COVID and everything else, it's been a tough time for, for everyone, really. Um, we know that you set up um, your own uh, Legends Nights. Just wanted to ask Echo you... Echo of Glory Nights. That. Say that again. Echo of Glory Nights. Yeah, great nights. So we just want to ask you a little bit about that and how that's affected you and what you've got coming up with that, really. Well, number one, it's... it's it's it's. I've got a few... All of my businesses are all event-based. So it affected every business, not just Echo of Glory Nights. I run a, a wedding and party business called, um, blimey, what do they call it, Mac? I forgot the name. I forgot the name. It's that long since I've bloody used it. Um, but I've got a wedding and party business that that's we, we had to 
refund 60 deposits, cancel 60 bookings. Um, so, yeah, it's been an incredibly tough time for my events. The, the, obviously, the footballing events, they went to port as well. Um, football went to port, uh, no fans. Um, so everything went to port. How is it looking now? Well, it's looking a bit brighter. Um, there's still no, the government haven't sort of helped in any way, shape or form, really the, the hospitality business, the events business, um, which is quite sad in many ways, uh, the lack of understanding, I suppose, from them. But then I'm not, I'm not sort of, I'm not endeared to the government for the way that they've handled the pandemic and the, the information that comes out from them. It's like, so, really? How could you think of it? I mean, like for, for the first, for the full year, for instance, we we couldn't meet up outside, but but now it's okay to meet up outside because it can't get you outside. Also, we've lived indoors for a year where it's most dangerous. So the whole thing was has been a complete con contradiction, you know, like now they should, pubs and restaurants that are COVID secure, yet you're allowed on a tube with 500 strangers. You know, I went on the straight tube to London three times last week and I'm sitting with 500 complete strangers with no social distancing taking place whatsoever. So again, oh, we're allowed to travel on the tube with strangers and we're allowed to catch buses with strangers, but we're not allowed to sit in a pub social distance from our own family. Please, absolutely. Whoever thought of these things? And, you know, when you look at, the conspiracy theorists that are around, sorry to divert, when you look at the conspiracy theorists that are around, the government are actually feeding them with their contradictions of, uh, of things. They feed the conspiracy theorists. Hmm. The, the, these guys that want to believe there's a, cons there's a conspiracy going on. But the government, in the way that they've handled this and the, the information and, and, and the rules and regulations, they're just... Absolutely ridiculous. Um, they change all the time, don't they? They'll say one yeah, absolutely. next it's week like, it's something completely different. Um, yeah. I mean, the one where you say, oh, um, you know, you, you can't cuddle in your house, but you can cuddle outside. Oh, yeah, I walk down the street and I'll bump into a stranger and give her a cuddle or him a cuddle, you know. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, yeah, I could have been living in my house for six weeks by myself and my, my grandson or my son could have been living in their houses for six mm. weeks. Um, you know, totally... Um, isolated and we, could, we can't go to one another I mean, mm. the information has been so um, irrational in many ways in my opinion um, and they've been saved from probably the the most uh, uh, with, with all the corruptness that's or, or the mishandling of the contracts etc etc um, they've been saved by the the vaccine in, in many ways Mm. Um, the vaccine is, is, is suddenly, oh, they're, they've, they've handled the, 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 the pandemic great. No, they haven't. They've handled the pandemic very, very poorly, but handled the vaccine very good. They have. Uh, uh, what, don't turn this into a, a politics podcast, but he came out the other day, <laughs> Boris Johnson, and said that, you know, it's, it, the virus is going, but it's nothing to do with the vaccines. It's to do with the lockdown. I'm like, mate. I mean, it's like, hang on. Hang on. If, if, so, so, well, well, the bottom line is, is that, you know, if, lock, if lockdowns work, why have we had three? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, if they work, it would have killed, it would have done it. So, so the vaccine is the way out of this. Well, that's what um, they've the always told us. They've always told us. I mean, us I've, got my, I've yeah. got my second vaccine on Sunday. Um, on the final day, you know, a um, bit worried about it because of all the adverse publicity surrounding it. 
Um, I was very ill after the first one, uh, the AstraZeneca, and I was very ill for three days, but then absolutely nothing since. Mm -hmm. um, and now I've got my second one on Sunday. Um, but ultimately, you can't. what you can't do is push on, uh, push the vaccine as the way out of this, mm -hmm. um, and then suddenly say, oh, we've got to go into lockdown again. Well, hang on, we've had 40 million vaccinated with, and, and by the time, um, and also they've stated, sorry, this is making it political. Let, let's not go political, see? No, let's not. You don't really want to get me started. No, 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 because you're telling by the minute, mate. Yeah. <laughs> is it? What, I am. I've up? got a few events coming up. I've got one in Peterborough um, with Gary Mabbott, Graham Roberts, um, Steve's uh, Mark Falcourt and Paul Miller. Right. That's and me obviously comparing. That's in Peterborough on the June the twenty fifth, and I haven't actually re. I've got the eighty one dinner which I haven't rescheduled yet for for obvious reasons because it's a very very big event. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what the rules and regulations are surrounding that until maybe June the twenty first. So from June the twenty first, I'm hoping to rearrange that for sometime in August or the beginning of September. Um, and from there, I'll, I, what I might do now, I'm in the process of looking at it and thinking, should I do one for um, a, a one of my own in June for Echoes of Glory Nights? Maybe, I don't know, I was thinking of, um, do I do Paul Allen Clyball and do I do Eric Torsford and, and um, Gary Mabbitt? Do I do Eric Torsford and David Ells? You know, it's, it's, I don't know. What, uh, how about your old friend Jürgen for, for Mark? Do you think you'd be able to get him over for one? The, the problem is he's, it would cost, obviously, um, knowing Jürgen, he travels first class. <laughs> He'd obviously stay in a five-star hotel. Um, and, and while I've got no doubt he would sell out, um, is the expense would be... He's been linked with the manager's job today, so he might be in London. You never know. We'll see what happens. Uh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. The problem, the problem is... Flights. The problem is he wouldn't be allowed to do it if he was no, becoming the manager. No. So that that um, I have spoken to someone uh, about him doing it, uh, but the the overall cost might outweigh the benefit uh, because what we don't want to do is because we raise for charity within the um, within the evenings as well, and what we don't want to do is lose money. Yeah. Um, for instance, we just sent little Jamin. Um, we we sent to Norfolk Broads um, for a week. I had out a boat for two days for him. Um, sent him to the zoo, done everything for him, paid for everything, and 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 we had arranged to open up the spur shop on Monday. Um, close it to everyone but Jamin, who's only three. He's got cancer. Um, but he's too ill. Um, he's been to Norfolk Broads, had the most wonderful week's trip, but he's not got long left. Um, and he was too ill to go to the Spurs shop on Monday. Um, so I'm sort of disappointed that, but Spurs were great. They've given, they've arranged for a, um, a kit with Jamin's name on the back to be presented to him on Monday, which I'll pick up and, and, and get to his house in Norwich. Um, so yeah, um, but the, we missed the events because obviously it impacts on money's raised for young children with cancer. Um, days out, money raised to help with physio and get help people get walking again or, or whatever. 
Um, so it's been pretty tough from that aspect. Um, charities must have suffered in a big way, but more importantly, I, I sort of don't deal with the big charities. I deal through myself uh, and the, the kids that have been able to help. I can't help in the way that I've been able to because you know we're not raising any money. We're not earning any money whatsoever. Well, on the personal, thank you for doing that for for the children, and I'll and I'm happy to donate. Um, you've got a lot more followers than us, but we will we'll happily retweet anything that can encourage people to um, donate money at this time to help out. Um, you know, children with cancer is such a great cause. Um, help. Yeah. It, it, you know, the one thing that's very tough is when you involve yourself and and you become a fundraiser and and, and obviously do lots of things with them as well you become sort of emotionally involved which is very tough mm. you know like I'm really feeling um, little Jamin like it was a, a virtual as a mascot at Spurs um, in December um, he, he, he's been to the zoo we were we raised funds to send him everywhere and and, and it, you sort of when it comes to the crunch and you know that wow it's not far it's almost like you're losing a member of your family. It's, it's very sad. So you must try to stay. Uh, don't let your art get involved. Mm. That's That's great. I, can, I can see, Mickey, is, I've, I've seen firsthand what you've done at some of your, your Legends Nights. And, um, and you've met Jamin, haven't you? Able. I, I have, yeah. And um, yeah, I have. And the family. And, they're all, and you met all Archie and, and Lucas. Lucas is in remission. Yeah. So for every bad news, there's a good news. Lucas and is in remission. That's where I was going to go. And he's, do, he's doing absolutely fantastic now, Lucas. So, um, and I'd arrange for Lucas to come to the Spurs shop on Monday because Jamin loves Lucas uh, because they were in the same hospital uh, can, uh, ca uh, in Cambridge, what do they call it? Addenbrooks. Uh, Addenbrooks in Cambridge. Um, they were there and they were all together, Archie, uh, Lucas, and uh, Jamin. Um, so, uh, but for every. For every bad news, there's a good news and, and, and lifts your spirits. Um, while the bad news knocks your spirits, the good news lifts you. Um, and it's, 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 it's heartwarming when you get something like that and you see them uh, suddenly like Lucas is playing for his football team now. He's a massive Spurs fan, which helps. Was it Lucas in uh, Bell you ran for him? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, when, when Lucas was first put in remission, I went to Adam Brooks in Cambridge um, and shared the moment, and it was one of the greatest moments of my life to sit and watch I've got, I've a young got a boy. Question for you. I've got a question for you, Mickey. Sorry to do but based on, on Lucas um, and, and you being there, you just said it was the greatest moment of your life. Um, you know, it's with, with, with everything that you do for, for all of these kids, is uh, do you have any, I don't know, do you have any plans to maybe go into some form, in some form of cancer charity? because you've been so involved with, with children the way you have and, and helping them, or is it just something you want to do from your Legends Nights? It's something that, uh, it's not just from my Legends Nights, it's something that I want to do to help um, while not setting up a charity. The problem, with, the, the, the problem I have with charities is that if you raise 4,000, 4,000 should go to the child um, but it's often doesn't, it's often 50%, 40% of the amount raised. And, uh, and therefore I feel like it impacts on uh, whatever the child, like Archie, for instance, had to raise something like 
£300,000 to go to America. You know, when you go to America for the operation, for instance, the operation is to stop cancer coming back. But before you go, you have to first of all get in remission, right? Now, Jamin actually got in remission, but there wasn't enough money to send them for the operation. Uh, and unfortunately, just before Christmas, it, it, it came back. Uh, now, if you look at Archie, Archie hasn't been in remission and they've almost got the full amount to send them. I think they were about £35,000 off to send them to America for that treatment that stops it coming back. So um, it's a vicious circle in many ways is that you must get in remission before you can go and have the op. But if you get in remission too soon, then you haven't got the money to go and have the op because it's £300,000 or whatever it comes to. So it's a bit of a vicious circle that, and you can be lucky like Lewis Lucas, who gets in remission and hopefully, you know, so far so good. Um, and I know that, but being so young, I'm sure he's going to, you know, but he's playing football for his club side and everything. You know. So, you know, there's so many things, but I'd rather me stay individual, raise money at the, the dues, don't put the money in their bank accounts or pay like like I've done for this trip to the Norfolk Broads, we booked a, 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 a cottage um, with a cost of about £2,200. We booked two boats. Uh, we booked a boat for two days. Uh, we booked the zoo. We booked lots of things to give Jamin memories that he can cling to until the day that he's no longer with us. Uh, and, and, and then memories that his parents can cling to for forevermore so that you know, they'll always have pictures and videos of, 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 of Jamin in happy times and happy memories, and, and they will live forevermore. Mickey, just obviously because we're, we're sort of coming to the end of, of what we're talking uh, about, if for anybody who does watch this um, or listens to it on, on the podcast, is there a way that people can help um, contribute to, to what you're trying to do for for Lucas and uh, for Jaden, um, so that you know, until the Legends Nights uh, are back up and running properly, um, it's, it's actually very difficult because the people have been absolutely amazing. For instance, at Christmas, I set up a, a fund. Uh, Jamin's dream was to go to Lapland, and um, he loves snow, so we'd hire out Milton Keynes, the snow place in Milton Keynes, and he got that for the day. And then we we sort of set up Lapland. Uh, but unfortunately, coronavirus struck and, and it was uh, no chance. And then, of course, we booked Lapland UK, booked the hotel. Lapland UK then got closed. We've since tried to book Disneyland. Unfortunately, on um, speaking to his doctor four weeks ago, when we said we were going to book Disneyland Paris for a week, um, he's not allowed to go too far from where his hospital is because time's running short um so with the last sort of gasp or, or with a in liaison with his mum we decided that the norfolk broads um get him on a boat i don't know if you've seen the pictures of him on the boat um i posted them on facebook um he went to the zoo yesterday and, and he's back home today so he's been there for a week um, but he slept the vast majority of the time there. Um, but when he was awake, he had the most amazing time. And, and, and that makes it so wonderful for me um, to know that um, 
the sort of without sounding cold, but the last days of his life are being spent um, feeling happy, um, so that it he's not aware of the pain, or, or he's aware of it, but his mind's taken off of the pain. That's why, yeah. Uh, you know, um, through having such a good time, and 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 then of course, when the dreaded comes, his mum and dad have can fall back in their darkest times upon their um, memories spent with them mm-hmm. over the last year, say going here, going there, and experiencing things like being a virtual uh, mascot at the Spurs game, which Spurs happily let me let me do, uh, and seeing. Harry Kane waved him as he was walking past and Jamie going mad, you know, (laughs) wonderful, you know, and these are memories that will, he can cling to um, when he's going through pain, but also memories that his parents will Mm. in their future life will, will cling to forevermore. Um, I know because I had a nephew committed suicide um, and all of the memories that I have of him, you sort of, and, and, and even more so my sister, whose son it was, um, they they cling to every little thing. Um, as I do, I wake up every morning and my first the first thought in every single morning is of my nephew, Jay. Um, you know, I'd played pool, pool with him three or four years before um, and had no inclination. So um, memories memories can help you overcome any any obstacle. Um as long as you, as long as they are good memories, and and what I try to do is give the parents good memories, and the and the the, the child good memories to to forget about his problems, if only for a week. No, no it's, it's, very, very, and it's beautiful that you're doing that. It, the, the, it's very very sad, but, but but it's very very sad. But it's it's magic that they're all Spurs. You know, they're so it's wonderful to see them. In their Spurs kits, um, playing football um, when they can, or, 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 or even just seeing how they keep you up competitions. Yeah, they keep you up competitions. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I and I was a bit disappointed in. Uh, am I getting darker? By the way, should I turn my light on? Don't worry. No, it's okay, Mickey. Don't worry, Mickey. You're so okay. Good. So yeah, maybe maybe we should move on to another subject because. No, it's... I mean let's hope that on Sunday. We can give them another happy memory. Um, Absolutely. For them, um, you know, for all of us. But it just, I think it just goes to show, really, we all love football. We all love Tottenham, but there are more important things in life. Um, and I think that perfectly reflects it, Mickey, to be honest. Um, yes, but but it, you must, mustn't let it um, cloud things that make you feel great. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of sadness throughout the world, but there's a lot of greatness too. This world is the greatest place to be life is the greatest gift you will ever be given. And it's important that, you know, while we recognize and help the people that need help, we also know that we can live a great life. Um, and part of living a great life and to anybody that's listening, if ever, if ever you feel down, do yourself a favor, go and help someone, just go out Find someone that's feeling down also and help them. And that will lift your spirits as well. I mean, you know, if I'm feeling a bit low, I'll go, I'll go around someone else and I'll, come on, let's go out. And I'll, I'll, I'll and it lifts my spirits because I'm helping them. Mm. So it's a two-way it's a, it's a two thing is that they, they, 
they get lifted by your presence uh, and you get lifted by the fact that they've got lifted. So it, it works both ways and it's lovely. So go out and help someone. Uh, you know, and I was looking that my mum and dad brought me up, you know, that no matter how low you are, there's always someone worse. So go and help them, you know? Uh, and, and of course, every time you help them, it's so uplifting. And I just say sound advice, Mickey, and I, I think that's possibly a, a perfect place to, to end our, our chat this evening. Um, what, what you have said is, uh, as regards uh, Tottenham has been insightful and has been an absolute pleasure. What you have said as regards your charity work. and Yeah, I didn't, and, I didn't to be honest with you guys, I didn't mean to go into mate, the charity work or, or go well, into... To be fair, we uh, brought it up, Mickey, you didn't. We brought it yeah, up. Yeah, we, we, we into the politics. Yeah. I didn't really want to. It, no, this worry. is a football pod. So I don't mind if you just use the, 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 the original pod. Mickey, Mickey, we're going to use it all. Because this is, you know, you're a Tottenham man, we're Tottenham fans, and we're interested in, in, in our Tottenham <laughs> family. The pod, the pod is raw call... emotion, so, you know, that's raw emotion, and it doesn't get any more raw than that, to be honest with you. So, you know, we, we thank you for giving us your time. Um, and and us... sharing such... Oh, my pleasure, my well. pleasure. Thank you for joining us uh, for that special um, pod with Mickey Hazard. Uh, as I said at the beginning, great honour to have him on. Uh, apologies for some of the issues with recording. Um, it isn't easy um, when you're doing it with three people. Um, so we did get cut off a little bit. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening all the way through. Give us a follow um, on YouTube if you can. The videos of this talk are up on there. Um, so just please give them a watch. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast. And as I always say, if you want to get involved, send your questions in. Uh, if you want to come on the pod, we perhaps can arrange that as well. Um, so send us a tweet, follow um, Raw Emotion, the Tottenham pod on Twitter. Uh, you'll be able to find us on there. Thanks a lot. Bye.